the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Issuing company and other factors. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy, a message about spiritual healing. A man is brought to him who's blind and Jesus is invited to heal him. And Jesus does. And the implication is that what he can do physically, he can do spiritually. So you don't need to be permanently blind. Jesus will open your eyes to spiritual realities and you'll have life eternal. Because according to John chapter 3, we need to be born again if we're going to see the kingdom of God. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Today, Philip is reminding us that sometimes we have sight, but don't see. It's illustrated in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus gives a blind man sight while the Pharisees remain in the dark. We're in an eye-opening message called, Was Blind But Now I See. It's an important part of our Essential Jesus series, as Philip reminds us that spiritual blindness can be healed when we open our hearts to God. Helen Keller, the blind poet, said, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And so as we come to Mark chapter 8, verse 11 through to 26, we're going to see three stories that Mark puts together, and the unifying theme is blindness. And Mark wants to warn us of the danger of staying spiritually blind. You and I can come to experience God's love. We can be born again. We can be given new life. And we can see the world as God sees it. Now, there's three things I want us to see as we look at the Pharisees in verses 11 through 13. We look at the disciples, verses 14 through 21. And we look at the man in Bethsaida in verses 22 to verse 26. We're going to see a permanent blindness. We're going to see a partial blindness. We're going to see a physical blindness. So let's jump right in. The first story is about a permanent blindness as it relates to the Pharisees. In these verses, we've got another head-on collision with Jesus and the religious leaders. Look at verse 11. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him. They're arguing. They're in Jesus' face with an accusing finger. And they're seeking another sign. My goodness. Verses 1 to 10. We just had a sign. The feeding of 4,000 people. If you get beyond that miracle, you've had miracles where he has healed the sick, where he has exercised demons, where he has shown authority over nature. I mean, exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C, exhibit D. A great case has been made for Jesus Christ in the Gospels. But what does Jesus say in verse 12 after he sighs? What does this generation seek a sign? No sign will be given. Enough evidence. It's time to decide. 
who have seen His work and seen the signs again and again and again. And Jesus indicts them. Do you know how we know that? Look at verse 13. And He left them. He just walked out on them. And Jesus is in this story. And Mark, by the recording of the story, is reminding us we're born spiritually blinded. That blindness need only be temporary if we'll accept the light of the Gospel. But if we reject the light and we play these silly games, one more, Lord, do this, Lord, I need this before I can do this, Lord, we're getting used to the dark. And it's damning and it's dangerous and you'll end up in a place called hell where it's outer darkness. So there's a permanent blindness. Then there's a partial blindness. Verses 14 through 21, Jesus leaves the place where He is with the Pharisees and goes back across Galilee to the northeast shore where He comes to a place called Bethsaida. Perhaps because they left abruptly. Mark describes for us in verse 13 a conversation that takes place in the boat as they depart to the other side among the disciples that they have forgotten to take bread. And as the Lord Jesus hears them talk about bread, He takes this and He tries to turn this focus on physical bread to focus on spiritual truths. And He says, guys, I want to warn you about the leaven of the Pharisee or the yeast of the Pharisee. You know, yeast is an element that causes bread to grow, expand. It permeates the dough. It causes fermentation. And when the bread is in the oven being baked, the bread expands. And since they're talking about bread, Jesus said, hey, let me talk to you about the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees. It's not so good. Let me talk to you about their permeating influence in the culture. It's not good. And then in verse 16, they reason among themselves, is it because we have no bread? He's talking about yeast. What's going on here? They're not getting it. Clearly not getting it. According to verse 17, Jesus being aware of it said, why do you not reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Is your heart hard? You have eyes, but you don't see. Ears, you don't hear. Don't you remember? These guys are worried about bread. He says, don't you remember? Verse 19, 20, guys. What happened with the 5,000 and many baskets? Twelve. What happened with the 4,000 and many baskets? Seven. And you still don't understand? Verse 21. I mean, I'm in the boat and you're worried about bread? And you're not getting this lesson I want to give you on yeast? So two things, the caution and the consternation. The caution and the consternation. Just interesting, something we need to note. Jesus says, beware or take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Jesus is piggybacking off their conversation on bread and warns them about the leaven of religious leaders and political establishment figures. As we've said, this idea of yeast is a common image in Jesus' time of something that permeates. And it was often used of evil influence. Leaven, that leavens a whole lump. And so Jesus is saying, guys, you've just witnessed these Pharisees. Recalcitrant, rebellious, insincere. And this is spreading among the nation because this generation seeks a sign, but I'm not giving it another sign. In fact, they'll get one final sign, the sign of Jonah, when I'm going to rise from the dead. Herod, mongrel Jew, doesn't live out his faith. He's in league with the Romans. He's corrupt. He's a bad example. John the Baptist challenged him. He silenced the voice of God, cut off the prophet's head. 
Guys, be careful. And over their shoulder, he's speaking to others. Be careful about the leaven of the Pharisees. But this image is challenging because leaven or yeast is very small. It's microscopic. In fact, my study tells me that, you know, at its bottom element, it's about a hundredth the size of a grain of sand. And so whatever it affects, it spreads. It starts out small, but don't be deceived by its smallness. It does a lot of damage. So does sin. He's telling them nothing small about sin in any form, whether false doctrine, bad attitudes, poor examples, forbidden actions. Sin and false doctrine and bad examples are like yeast and bread, permeates, and the effect is massive. So you've got the caution and you've got the consternation. The consternation, you know, Jesus again is somewhat frustrated with these guys, kind of shocked that they're still where they are spiritually. Look at verse 17, Jesus being aware of it, that they're still talking about bread, they've misunderstood his warning about the leaven of the Pharisees. Scroll down to verse 21, how is it that you do not understand? They're still focused on the present problem that they don't have much to eat and they forgot past provision and that they don't need to worry about bread. Jesus will take care of that. And so Jesus lambasts them. In fact, having eyes do you not see, having ears do you not hear. That's straight out of Jeremiah 5.21 and Ezekiel 12 verse 2. What's happening here is Jesus says you're getting too close for comfort to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were at a place where they didn't understand because they didn't want to understand and Jesus left them. His disciples don't understand. But I don't think it's because they don't want to. But they're still dull. They're still immature. They're still not giving themselves in a way that they should to these lessons Jesus wants to tell them. The disciples are looking very like the Pharisees. Their blindness is partial. They're spotty in their understanding. But Jesus is kind of warning them, come on. You don't want to end up in permanent blindness. Jesus isn't pronouncing that. He's just giving them a well-timed warning. Their case isn't hopeless. The case of the Pharisees is hopeless. He left them. There's a judicial judging aspect to that, I believe. But that's not the disciples. Guys, come on. Get off the, you know, the sandwiches. And let's talk about spiritual dangers. Plus, Mark doesn't tell us this. Because he kind of wants to highlight the danger these guys are in and mistakes that they're making. But Matthew would remind us in his rendering of this story, in Matthew 16, verse 12, then the disciples understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees. So they did get off the physical aspect of this, and they did begin to, oh, he's talking about a spiritual reality. Just as leaven explodes the bread and permeates the loaf, so there are influences that permeate society that are bad for us spiritually. So the penny begins to drop, the light begins to spread, and that's encouraging. But they were frustrating the Lord Jesus here. R. Kent Hughes, in his helpful commentary on Mark, does underscore this little jibe by the Lord Jesus. Do you not remember? Verse 18. I mean, guys, can we get back to talking about the leaven of the Pharisees? And I don't understand why you're worrying about bread because I just have shown you time and again that, you know what, 
Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to put on. Remember that discussion in the Sermon on the Mount? I'm going to take care of you. Seek first the kingdom of God. You make God's business your business. God will make your business his business. So get off the bread, guys. Let's talk about leaven. Moral, theological leaven. But there is a reminder, says R. Ken Hughes, that we need to keep remembering what God has done in our life. So that we are tempted to panic. When we get to a bad spot, we have living memories of God's faithfulness in the past that will push us through the present problem into a brighter future. And R. Kent Hughes tells us the story of Joshua 4. You don't need to go there, write it down. Joshua 3, Joshua 4. They come to the River Jordan. It's swollen. They've got to go over into the Promised Land. The Ark of the Covenant is put before them. The priests are singing. And as soon as the priest steps into the river in an act of faith, it dries up and the people of God cross it to the other side. And as they're doing that, Joshua says what? Pick a representative from each tribe. And as they're going across, dig up some big boulder from the riverbed. And when we get on the other side to Gilgal, we're going to Put it all in a big pile as a memorial to God's grace. Pictures. Keep a little file of notes. People have sent you thanking you for what you've done and how God used you. Keep all of that alive because there'll come a moment when you'll suffer from spiritual amnesia and you need to trigger your love for God and your trust in Him through something from the past. And that's what Jesus says, guys. Don't you remember? Keep remembering. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 54, David kills Goliath. If you haven't read the story recently, you know what he did? He cut his head off. He takes his head to Jerusalem. I'm going to guess that's the Jewish historical museum there in Jerusalem. They'll have the head, you know, in a nice case. But here's the issue. David takes the armor to his tent. Great grandchildren's stories in that tent, for starters. You can tell David's kids down and say, let me tell you about the Valley of Elah. And how the Philistines came. And then the Philistine came. You know? Superman himself, Goliath. And he kept that armor in his tent. For what reason? As a memorial. That you can go up against the ungodly in the name of the living God. Folks, keep all those memories alive. Psalm 77, verse 9 to 12 says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work. I will muse on all your deeds. Take time to rehearse what God has done in your life. Keep those stories alive in your family traditions. Keep a memorial, written, pictorial, whatever, of God's deeds in your life. Listen to Lamentations 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Let's get to our last thought. If you go to chapter 8 now, verses 22 to 26, we go from the permanent blindness in the story of the Pharisees to the partial blindness in the story of the disciples. And now we come to a physical blindness in the story of the man in the city of Bethsaida, And a man is brought to him who's blind, and Jesus is invited to heal him, and Jesus does. And this is one of two miracles you'll only find in Mark's gospel. In Mark 7, you've got the healing of the deaf man, and in Mark 8, you've got the healing of this blind man. And I think Mark is telling us in this physical realm that Jesus can restore sight and Jesus can restore hearing. And the implication is that what he can do physically, he can do spiritually. 
So you don't need to be permanently blind, and you don't need to stay partially blind. Jesus will open your eyes to spiritual realities. You follow his teaching, you believe his gospel, and you'll see as God sees. And you'll understand the world as God wants you to understand it. And you'll have life eternal. Because according to John chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, we need to be born again if we're going to see the kingdom of God. We need a new birth. We need Jesus to do a miracle, to take away the blindness, the darkness, and help us to see His glory, the beauty of the gospel, the love of God, and the promise of eternal life. Because you see, physical blindness is temporary. Spiritual darkness is eternal. So Jesus heals, and the implication is that what he can do physically, he can do spiritually. Now here's the quick thought. If you read the story, he heals the man by stages. First of all, he spits, touches his eyes, and says, what do you see? And the guy says, I see people walking about like trees. So his eyesight's beginning to come back, but it's not complete. It's not clear yet. He's got kind of a blurred outline of human beings looking like trees walking. Jesus then touches him again, and he sees clearly. Interesting. Like Jesus could have healed him in stroke. But most commentators, Mark Strauss, others who I trust, read into this, and so does Sinclair Ferguson, that what you have here is an acknowledgement by Jesus that sometimes spiritual sight comes by stages. And it's almost like Jesus saying, guys, you've disappointed me again, but I realize what I'm dealing with. Now we'll have to work for another development of spiritual understanding. I'm willing to do that, just like he healed the man after the second touch. They've got to get to another level of commitment and clarity. In fact, Peter will say, Lord, you're the Son of the living God. Great! His eyes are wide open, but then they're blind again. But you're not going to die. We're not going to let you go to a cross. There's a lot of things they still need to understand. Their growth in grace is coming by stages. And so is ours, by the way. So as we wrap up, that's kind of the application, isn't it? Spiritual insight and spiritual eyesight is slow in coming sometimes, even in the unconverted. Now, while the sight will come in one regenerative act of God by means of illumination, conviction, sometimes it's a series of events and stages in a person's life before they come to Christ. And you need to be patient. Some water, some plant, others are there when the sight comes. So be willing to share the gospel one more time. Be willing to add one more argument to your persuasion of a friend to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it's true, but even on the other side, justification is instantaneous. Regeneration is momentary and monergistic. But growing in grace, becoming like the Lord Jesus, well, that's by stages. And that's why we need to be patient with each other. And by the way, if you're discipling a young Christian or an immature Christian, be patient. You know, somebody comes out of a pagan background, hasn't had the blessing of maybe even hearing the gospel that often in their life. They're, you know, a fresh batch of young believers, and you're in a Bible study, and what seems plain to you is like double Dutch to them. They say something stupid in the Bible study. I've seen it. And I've seen people... Not intending, but the implication, they're put down. You know, young man, let me tell you what that means. You know, I can't believe you missed that. Hey, they didn't say that, but the way they said something said that. And they didn't, hey, let me touch you again, help you go from outline to clear sight. And it's the same with us. You know, we're a disappointment to the Lord and to ourselves on any given day. We're growing in grace. Two steps forward, one step back. 
You know, forgetting those things which are behind, we're pressing forward, we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. But you know what? <laughs> we're amazed that we still trip up on the most basic stuff. And again, Jesus is not excusing our sin, not pushing us forward with greater perseverance, but then the case in this story is, hey, I'll touch you again. Come on, get up. I've got some more grace for you. I've got another lesson I'm going to teach you. I'm going to be patient until we get you to a better place. It's good to know that, isn't it? What came to my mind this week was a story by Chuck Nelson, one of the men of our church, who being in a meeting with Bernie May, who was the president of JARS. JARS is an aviation organization that brings spare parts and provisions to Christian missionaries all over the world, especially in remote parts. And they would fly in, and they'd bring in maybe engine parts for a car or an airplane. They'd bring in supplies. And Bernie May talks about how he went into a remote area one day, and as he was milling around in the village, he encountered a native, sparsely burly dressed from the waist down, bone through his nose, war paint on, spear in his hand. Kind of frightening sight. But he did have a t-shirt. You see, the parts would come off wrapped up in t-shirts or cloth to just protect them until they got to their destination. And the missionaries would often give the t-shirts or the clothes, old clothes, out to people. And the beauty of this story was that man stood there, bone through his nose, wore paint on, virtually, you know, bar a loincloth, naked from the waist down, holding a spear with a t-shirt that said, God's not finished with me yet. <laughs> it's kind of cool, isn't it? It's a great story. And a reminder that he that hath begun a good work in us We'll perform it patiently and graciously. He'll give us a second touch and a third touch and a fourth touch as we progress in our knowledge of Him, our love for Him, and our service for Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the lessons we have learned. May we be warned about the danger of permanent darkness, permanent blindness, of willfully rejecting light, of becoming arrogant and argumentative with God. None are so blind as those that don't want to see. Lord, help us to remember what mustn't be forgotten, for days will come when we'll be clouded in our thinking. And help us to rejoice in the fact and to be patient with each other and to be loving towards those who don't get it, who are new to the faith, are close to trusting Jesus, that you're not finished with us yet. But thank you, there's a second touch. There's more you're willing to do so that we become what you desire us to be. For we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Know the Truth. And today, Philip DeCourcy is sharing the conclusion to his message was blind, but now I see. You can access today's teaching and any of the messages in the Essential Jesus series when you visit ktt.org. Jesus came to take us out of spiritual blindness, and we receive sight as we encounter God's Word. That's why at Know the Truth, we are passionate about sharing God's truth that sets men and women free and gives us eyes to see Jesus for who He is. We hope we can count on your help to deliver the gospel message to more people. We're standing by to receive your gift of any amount to know the truth. And when you give, you're helping us prepare and distribute Philip's clear and convicting teaching. And at this critical time in our fall planning and preparation, we hope you'll consider signing up as a Truth Ambassador. Truth Ambassadors are faithful friends who give an automated donation each month. Become a Truth Ambassador today, and you'll also receive our monthly Accord newsletter that features special events and information about Know the Truth. 
Sign up to give monthly when you call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. If you prefer, send your check to us by mail at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Now, whether you can give today or not, we'd love to hear from you. And when you reach out to us to let us know you're listening, we'll send you a free CD message from Philip called Handling the Pressure. Ask for the free CD today when you call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us Tuesday as Philip DeCourcy asks life's most important question, Who is Jesus? We'll be in Mark chapter 8 to hear the answer from Jesus himself. That's tomorrow on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you're over 50 and concerned about any of the following, stay tuned for an exclusive free bottle offer. Are you concerned about your heart health? Are you interested in healthy brain function? What about joint comfort and energy? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, we want to send you a free bottle of Krill Omega 50 Plus now with CoQ10. Krill Omega 50 Plus with CoQ10 combines krill oil with fish oil in one tiny pill. And this little pill delivers big health benefits to your heart your joints, your arteries, and brain. And with CoQ10, you'll enjoy extra energy, too. Best of all, you can get a free bottle of Krill Omega 50 Plus with CoQ10 today. Just pay for shipping. Call right now and request your free bottle. Dial 1-800-229-3992. That's 1-800-229-3992. 1-800-229-3992. Again, call now. 1-800-229-3992. Married people. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.